0: You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise,
1: we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul.
0: I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello again, everyone. Happy Tuesday. We're back with more podcasts. You know, we are doing three a week right now.
1: Can't believe it! Hope you guys are enjoying the <laughs> test cool. drives. Yeah, it's just the audio from the YouTube videos, mm-hmm. and I we're getting views or sorry, views listens yeah. <laughs> views on the videos. We get views on the videos, on listens the, when it's a podcast. I, I'm noticing people are liking but it, but we're also getting
0: Thank a you. nice number of emails of you that are, are listening and enjoying that. So we appreciate it. There is so much going on this past Saturday. Thank you to that. We actually got quite a bit of email of people. This is what I love about the various platforms we're on mm-hmm. because even though we've done the East Coast piece on YouTube. There are various people that only watch us on Motor Trend. And we got a good number of emails over the weekend because East Coast Part 1 just played on Motor Trend. We got a good number of emails about people that watched it on Motor Trend. Thank you for doing that, which is really cool. Again, that entire East Coast piece is available on YouTube as a full hour long. The second part plays this coming Saturday in the middle of Season 11.
1: Yeah, we have to thank our TV sponsors. Covercraft, Everyday 22 is the code for Covercraft. mm -hmm. Griot's Garage, use eDriver for the code. 15% 15% off liquids, 10% off everything else and autotempest.com slash everyday use that URL so they know you were listening on the podcast. Which but is great. Thanks to all of them for producing, for helping us produce this TV season. Absolutely. Fantastic.
0: We, we are stumbling across the finish line with our last episode of the season, which is episode six, which is about the new Z, Nissan Z car, the Nissan Z car. The Nisan. I see how many Z's I can put in it. Which,
1: Nissan sent us to Fuel Fest. Thanks to did. Nissan. Yeah,
0: speaking of Nissan, we were at Fuel Fest this past weekend, which was local and we weren't sure if we were going to go and then at the last minute our friends at Nissan said, hey, you guys should come. So we were thrilled to be there because it was a lot. There was so it much. was super yeah. hot. There was track time. There was drift time. There was a DJ who was turning sound into pressure. <laughs> I it wondered
1: if it was bad for your health. It's I, pretty I, funny. Yes,
0: I, I think <laughs> the cars that were parked closest to the DJ booth, because, of course, the DJ booth was set up in such a way, not only with big stadium speakers, but loud enough that the people watching drifting which Mm -hmm. just so you don't understand so you understand is a quarter mile that way across the parking lot they could hear the music just fine (laughs) so that means if you were one of the cars parked right in front of the dj booth i actually think windows could have been shattered it was quite impressive there was a physical force near the stage of course
1: many cars there that were not just the exact livery of some of the fast and furious cars but the full replica Mm -hmm. of like You'd think that was the car from the film. It wasn't. It was just Mm -hmm. some fan's car driving past you. It was astounding. Yeah, the
0: eclipse rolled in. The multicolor like yellow and and teal eclipse rolled in. Yeah. We saw various people from Fast and Furious that were there because the fuel Fest and Fast and Furious are connected. Mm -hmm. They're they're,
1: they're kind of symbiotic. And that got us talking about the Fast and Furious movies. Well, see, I asked Todd if there was going to be something past 10th. The ninth has come out. Mm-hmm. We're waiting for the tenth at this point in time. I mean, we're, we're and, waiting in that we know of it's course, coming. Yes. As we're driving away from the event, we're riffing. Mm-hmm. We're just wondering out loud hey, what if they kept it going? Because we got on the conversation of where it all started mm-hmm. and the director, Justin Lin, mm-hmm. and how things were intertwined and then bringing people, people back and then we were, how it just proliferated into yes. now.
0: Ten, I guess it is. It's, there's a tenth one coming. We talked about the fact that it has been a, a rolling ensemble that keeps like, picking up characters every couple of movies. Yeah. And because everybody's family, they've got to be in all the movies from then to follow. So we talked about the fact that as of right now, it's supposed to be ten movies. Mm-hmm. Which, if you want to think about it, this makes Fast and Furious one of the biggest movie franchises ever. Fast and Furious now.
1: That's incredible.
0: And, and while you can say, yes, Jeez. Marvel's done like 25 or 30 movies, I get it, but they're not all the exact same characters. They' the spin-offs, one. you know they're, they're connected, but they're not, all, they're not all Avengers movies. Right. This right. is 10 movies. plus this, one spin-off, I guess.: Well, yeah, exactly the Hobbes and Shaw The thing, Hobbs and Shaw the fight thing, yes. But, um, but, but think about it, this is 10 movies with the same characters. Star Wars doesn't even do that. The characters at least somewhat change. They're all called Skywalker. You know, spoiler alert. But, but but, the point is, they're not all the same characters. This is 10 movies with the same characters. And, of course, it's all the theme, in case you've missed it. The 4,500 times it's said, it's all family. So we started joking about the fact that they're supposed to stop with the 10th. And Vin Diesel, this is his kingdom. He, mm-hmm. he rules these movies. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So we were joking about, I think there will be an 11th. They've got to do something
1: else with Space Fiero. It's go uh, Even
0: Come if that doesn't on. happen, maybe that's what's in his garage. I'm getting there. The point is, the movie's going to go away. This is my pitch. <laughs> and, and I'm putting a stake in the ground right now, right here on this podcast, episode 721. I am, I am, I am copywriting this, except I also think it might work or be done. Okay. 15 or 20 years from now, they're going to resurrect this series. Vin Diesel's going to be a grandfather. He's retired somewhere in Florida. And one of his kids... Now, he has Brian, who... I'm sorry, another spoiler alert. Brian is only half his kid. The, the, the little boy Brian is only yeah, half right. his kid, okay? Right. With the separate thing. When he thought Michelle Rodriguez's character was dead, and now she's not dead. And it's a whole thing. Right. Welcome right. to the Fast and Furious redo. Anyway, so that means he and Michelle Rodriguez have got to have their own, say it with me, family. So they'll have a kid that I think will probably be a girl. And she'll be super into cars. But then she'll have a boy that'll be unruly. And he'll be... 12, 13, 14. Okay. Totally unruly and nobody can control him. <laughs> and so they'll ship him down to grandpa Vin down in Florida. Who's now, I mean, damaged from all of his crashes in crazy cars. So he's walking with a Walker.
1: See, I he's think moving he owns slow. a citrus farm.
0: Who knows? So he can grow his own limes and, and for the Corona's gra- <laughs> Probably. And grandson doesn't want to come see him because he's an old man. He's this old slow guy, right? He's this old guy that goes around everywhere slow. And grandson doesn't get who grandpa is. And they ship him down there because he's family. And they ship him down there. (laughs) And, of course, in one of the barns of the citrus farm, Vin's got the Challenger, which is now like 4,500 horsepower or whatever. And he pulls the canvas thing off of that. Of course, he has to get over there with a walker. Right. But he can get in the car and he can still drive. So (laughs) Vin is going to tame the grandson. And we'll call it the slow and the curious.
1: I think it's brilliant. I, I think it's going to happen. The jokes write themselves. Oh, for sure. The scenes write themselves. Yes. The entire oh, wow. thing kind
0: of writes itself. He, he, it's going to be Vin and his unruly grandson that he's going to help him find the way. His purpose in yes. life.
1: And he whips the sheet off the challenge. You know it.
0: Things change from there. I thought grandpa was just slow. No. He <laughs> lives his life one quarter mile at a time and everybody's family. It's going to be Fast and Furious 11, the slow and the curious. It's coming. In 20 this years is, to a theater near you. Or maybe it's just on a streamer and we I'd all just I want to watch this there.
1: now. Can we just put makeup and costumes on everybody and just in, make that now? In the
0: middle of the movie, maybe they should look up and see the Fiero like circling the Earth. It's become part of the International Space Station. Yes. It's like one module or something. Yes,
1: Please, something. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, guys. We've got a very special guest. With us. Yeah, we do. Nick has been supporting our show for a long time, for many years, mm-hmm. because he works for pretty much all the car companies, but we've had him on because he's moving on to his next gig. You've heard us call out his name before. We were actually with Matt. We were, we were with uh, Matt When Fair. we called him out, yes. because people were asking, how do you guys get all these press cars? Uh-huh. And Nick has been instrumental in delivering press cars to us on a weekly basis for years now. I have to start there, actually, because <laughs> yeah. it,
0: for those of you that don't put the pieces together or didn't hear us the last time we were on Smoking Tire Podcast, we called out Nick, kind of accidentally. We yeah, were just talking yeah, yeah. about press cars. And we talked about Nick keeps track of his mileage every year. And it started a whole <laughs> little right. online discussion about whether or not he was real or not, which is part of the reason we're having him on, to Nick prove is that real. he's real. Nick, hi. I exist. Nick, I'm Nick, here. See, there, there he is. Hello. I want, Nick, I want you to talk about the amount of mileage you did in the last year because you kept track, and also the fact that it, it
2: doesn't just include driving. So I did 463,000 miles in <laughs> a year. This miles. includes air travel This includes air travel, Ubers, driving, walking, the works. But so, you kept track of all the miles that related to your job. Correct. Yep, you can use uh, certain apps. They'll keep track of the miles. You just started it at the beginning of the year, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're off and away. And I was coming out to Utah once a week. And it's about a 500-mile loop we had going in Utah when Utah was fully running. Because you're based in Denver, and so that's where you're coming from. Correct. So I drive out here from Denver, and my house currently is actually 100 miles away from my office in Denver. So (laughs) I drive 100 miles to go pick up a car to then drive it 500 miles out here. Mm -hmm. And then my day begins at about 2, 3 o'clock at that point after I've left my house at about Three, four AM. And then I come out here, and like I said, the day begins, and you pick the car up and you take it out, and we do about 500 miles out here. I've gone, you know, down south to Provo, you blast up to Logan, you come back down. And everybody always freaks out About the number The number It's impossible That you did 463,000 miles If I do the math You were doing like 1,200 miles a day I'm like Yeah That's Wednesday So You know It's Like a light day for me Is honestly Probably about 5 or 600 miles And my fiance and I Are big into going out And camping And traveling And road tripping And doing stuff like that So even on the weekends She works at home And I work traveling So as soon as I get home She's itching and ready To go out to go and I'm travel. like Oh okay yeah, yeah, Back yeah, on the sure. road Here we go Yeah So do we have but,
1: to? But yeah, so
0: hang on, you would bring a car out from Denver that's like the new one to add to the group, and then you're rotating every one every every like cars through four or five people, right? And then you take the one that's out of rotation
2: out. Is that how that worked? Correct. So starting with the run, we have anywhere, and it's actually grown, when we started we only had about three or four people out here in Utah that we brought cars to, different yeah. members of the media, you know, whether it's YouTube, whether it's the newspaper, whether it's, you know Craigslist, whatever, anybody who writes can potentially get cars if the manufacturer deems them worthy of sending something out and spending the money to do it, Yeah. so we take a car out and say I start with you guys, because you guys are actually usually my first stop on the rotation so I will get a car prepped and ready to go I'll wash it while I'm out here, I'll gas it up, I'll drop it off to you guys, mm-hmm. and then if you guys already have a car I pick it up I take it to the next person and I have to do that whole process you clean the car mm-hmm. you wash the car you get it ready sometimes your journalists take the cars out and they go off-roading with it and they leave you like six inches of mud in the bottom of your have, Tacoma I was gonna say we've
0: done that <laughs> we've actually. never done that we've actually, that actually never. done that so yeah we give Nick a terribly dirty car <laughs> now it's on Nick between leaving with up uh, from from your driveway Paul to dropping it off the next person to make it look nice and we have apologized before mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> it's, it's rare that I because that's part of the job you know you're supposed to go out you're supposed to clean the cars you're supposed to get them photo and video ready and that's important to me because I'm a big car enthusiast that's part of why I got into doing a lot of this and yeah, uh, yeah you know it sucks but that's the job and I kind of find it fun to get in and out and you know get into all the creeks and crevices of all the trucks and cars <laughs> and stuff and be like yeah I may be one of the few people in the world who's shined every single spindle on a Lexus grill or on a Genesis grill <laughs> or whatever <laughs> You know, I've sat there and wiped down every single little one depending on who the car is going to and how photo or video ready it needs to be Hmm. so you know and sometimes that's at a gas station you're lucky if you have a good vacuum you're lucky if you had a good wash or you're wiping it down with like your t-shirt sometimes if you forgot towels (laughs) so it can be a little rough but you know most of the time the The shirtless guy wiping down the car yeah when it's 100 degrees out there like oh that guy's just hot and you're like no this is the only towel i have so you know i'm stuck here but It's very interesting because you get in a wide range of stuff. I spend, you know, eight hours each way in all these cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was tallying it up and on some of these cars, you know, I've spent more miles in them than some people. Probably will or, you know, even some of the owners of the cars
0: for sure. No, definitely more miles as far as on the road is concerned than most journalists will when they drive them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Sometimes, you know, people only drive them 50, 60 miles. Sometimes people will put about 500 miles on them. Usually, you know, the loan is limited to a certain amount of miles so that way we can keep the cars in nice condition. We don't have to take them in for service all the time. Stuff's not broken. Yeah. stuff gets broken. You know, we have to handle it. And that's part of the other weirdness is if I'm out in the field out here and something goes wrong with the car and I'm, you know, 500 miles away from Denver, yeah. I need to find something that I can make it work. And sometimes you have to work on the fly or, you know, meet somebody somewhere different or do something weird. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it's just driving around in new cars and keeping them nice.
1: Well, I think what stuck <laughs> out to me the most is when you describe your job to other people, you'll just say it as if you work for all the car companies, which is seems odd to people because how can you? But ultimately, that's really what you do. You're representing any company whose car you're driving and delivering to us or other journalists. Here's the car. Let Mm -hmm. me tell you a few things about it. Here's what I've noticed. You might want to take into consideration this little button or whatever it is on your drive out. And you work for all the car companies. But doing this is not all that was involved with your job. You had other kind of fun special events that you supported tell us a little bit about those
2: yeah so the company i work for we work directly with a ton of different car manufacturers we don't work with every single one some of them market by themselves think tesla think rivian Um, but all the big manufacturers that you know use an outlet to get press cars out to people well that's because
1: they're not in the business of delivering cars themselves they make cars and market them for sale exactly
2: Yeah, so for you know some of the other manufacturers or for a lot of the cars that you know Ferraris don't necessarily need to market themselves. Porsches don't necessarily need to market themselves. So they, don't, don't, they don't need help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And know, they're also
0: not not real happy to send cars to journalists. They'd rather the yeah. journalists <laughs> didn't get cars and just yeah, talked yeah. about them anyway. Yeah, exactly. that'd be their preference. Yeah, you can
2: film it in a parking lot. We'd rather you not drive it. Yeah, so, for sure. But, you know, so <laughs> most of the manufacturers want the cars to get out. And so we have a warehouse in Denver with anywhere from like 30 to 60 brand new cars at a time wow. from all kinds of different manufacturers. And we take them out for... Just just normal journalist stuff for, you know, the people who need weekly content like you guys or, you know, Instagram people or newspapers or whatever. Instagram people. Instagram, TikTok, all this wisdom.
0: I, I should also note, he said 30 to 60 cars. We've seen this warehouse. You, you have never. Uh-huh. Okay, whatever parking you have done, you listening. Whatever parking you have done, (laughs) you have never parked a car as close to another car as these guys park these cars successfully, I might add, in this warehouse.
2: We get out of sunroofs very often. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I mean, the other day, I mean, you park stuff really close to concrete walls and other cars and stuff. You're packing them in. Legit. I mean, we park cars sideways. We park them so close you can't get the door open. I had to put my personal Miata in, and I have it parked so close to a Volvo it will make people <laughs> just uncomfortable because they're they're about touching but you know for me it's just look back I see I'm getting close 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 okay you get out and you're like oh I couldn't even fit a piece of paper between there so yeah. uh no, let's <laughs> that's how you pack one. all
0: those cars in that warehouse it's unbelievable you yeah. would think it's a big monster
2: warehouse it's just really it's, tightly yeah. packed it's four bays and we get them all in so then we, all right so keep going about the right. the special events right so we have all these different cars that go to different things and we also support other things so like You know, when they're holding a new event, when they launch a new car, let's take just for namesake, like the Hyundai Kona. Mm-hmm. they do an event in Kona, Hawaii, where they're bringing a bunch of Konas, we help ship a bunch of Konas over. We will then send people out to prep the cars and basically do what I do for you guys, just at an event. Yeah. So when all the journalists yeah. fly to this event and there's 36 different cars, somebody had to get them there. Somebody had to take care of them, park them mm-hmm. all. And after you, as the journalist, get out and do something with it, somebody needs to get back in it, clean it, park it, take it where it needs to go. So yeah. we do yeah. events all over the country. Um, and it's not just launches. It's sometimes... Uh, we do these events where they'll get together, all the manufacturers will bring some of the most hot cars from the year, and they'll put them all together, and you know, people will go drive them, and mm-hmm, then we have mm-hmm. to take care of all that. Yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of odd facilitation for... All kinds of different, stuff. from high end to
1: low end. I mean, you've oh, done yeah. some very high end events with you know very expensive brands, yep. low end brands.
2: Doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Well, and it's funny because you know that's the dichotomy of the job. You'll have you know five minutes. You're in you know two hundred fifty thousand dollar Bentley. You step out and get into an eighteen thousand dollar Yaris. So you know, the- <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah, it's, it, there's a bit of perspective there, which yeah, is kind of sure. interesting. And it depends. They send stuff for all kinds of stuff. So the manufacturers are branching out and sending cars to like lifestyle media people so not necessarily car people but like Mm. a mommy blogger who has really good insight on what a good child seat is and Mm. you know how to use it effectively in a car the manufacturers are paying attention to some of these other people and they send cars to them as well Mm. it's not always car people and sometimes it's not always car events or sometimes it is sometimes we take stuff to top gear or motor trend or car and driver you know the big outlets and stuff and Sometimes it's last minute, and we have to really kind of scramble to make everything work. Sometimes we have some notice, and sometimes they give you a call, and they're like, hey, tomorrow can you drive out to Salt Lake and pick up an RS6 from Top Gear and drive it back? And I should like, note
0: this. I just That remembered. happened. This. Yes, I just remember this. When we got the Lexus LC500 convertible.
1: Oh it yes! It did not
0: have. It was. It, it arrived on a truck, mm-hmm. but it did not have the handy little what was the air thing at the back that the it's supposed scarf. to have. The the little thing that defers the air oh, oh, that sits yeah. over the back seats. Whatever they're calling that little air screen thing, it didn't yeah, have. That. Sure, the screen. The so you screen. got a call that Nick was in a car from Denver driving the screen out. So he did, you did your mileage for the week Just for Lexus Just to, to bring, bring us screen. the screen. You pulled up outside yes. and pulled. I happened to be here. You pulled it out of the back of an Audi Q5, if memory serves, uh-huh, and walked yes. it over to it, presented it <laughs> to us, got back in the car, went back to Denver. This then, crazy stuff happens, too. Yeah,
2: and it took three of us out in the driveway to figure out how to get the top down. So, you it did, know, Yeah, there
1: was a whole other thing. It's, still yeah. it's a like secret. That. Yeah, for so sure. Uh-huh. Hide
2: well, the buttons. Hide the switches.
1: I mean, what amazes me is it's, it falls on Nick and the people who work with you yeah, yeah. to make sure that every car company is represented perfectly. So mm-hmm. that car company wants to put their best foot forward with every Journalist, every place that car goes to, which yeah. means it has to be completely perfect, full of fuel, ready to go, or if it's an electric car, fully charged. So it represents the brand mm-hmm. yeah, perfectly. Yeah. And in this case, it was the windscreen. They couldn't offer us a convertible without the windscreen, and sometimes it's <laughs> pre-production parts. Yeah, I just couldn't believe it. And like I said, man, you have supported us and there's two companies that that continue to support us we love our press fleets all mm-hmm. over the country all over the world as a matter of fact we've you know encountered the same kind of thing in germany from yeah, mercedes yeah, and stuttgart have. they'll For drive sure. they'll have one of you they'll have a nick drive the car up mm-hmm. they've, they've delivered it to us in frankfurt that was yep. that cla 250 yep. uh shooting break that we really liked mm-hmm. yeah just a huge thanks because it's People like you that make our business run. It makes the YouTube channel run. You know, when we need those cars, yeah. Yeah. that's what we've needed. So what's next for you then?
2: It's been kind of inspiring getting to, uh, you know, take to a lot of my favorite journalists and stuff. Because, uh, to be honest... oh uh, shucks. Aw, well, you know, I, <laughs> I've been into cars for a long time. And about 2012, you know, 2011, I started getting really heavy into it as, you know, I started driving and learning about cars a little bit more. Uh, my dad has owned an auto repair shop up in Breckenridge for about 28 years. So you've gotten wow. your
1: fingernails dirty. You've so, been you into know, it. I yeah.
2: started under him, and then uh, eventually they let me in. Him. You know, I've gotten to watch all these people who you know do what I would like to do as a car sure. enthusiast, and they're all you know very excited because I like to set myself apart when I drop the car off. Like Paul said, I'm a direct representative for the manufacturer. Yeah, you know, sure. I. Whenever people ask me, depending on whatever car I'm in, I just say I work for. X for the, for the car that you heard yeah. I just work right. for them. Yeah. That's all I a, know. Looking
0: at the key fob, I got out of... Oh, Audi. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Audi today. It's,
2: it's that bad sometimes. <laughs> so like, I just dropped a car off. I'm like, what, what was I just in? I've been yeah. driving seven cars today. But usually I just say I'm a representative of the manufacturer. I work for Lexus or Audi or VW or whoever. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of eliminates that conversation because it's kind of a weird thing to describe. But... <laughs> you know, like, people don't know what to ask next. It's, no, it's definitely, it's like it's like a twenty-minute conversation to describe what we do. But basically, I just say we are caterers and we bring cars to events. Yeah, and we yeah. you know we get to be at the party, but we're not necessarily invited. So that's kind of the interesting thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I've sure, made a lot of connections there. and you know met some cool people and gotten the opportunity to meet the people I really enjoy. And they were you know wondering when I'm going to do something. No offense to my job, but you know a little more. interesting. Sure, like, sure. You know, you go out and branch out on your own because I like. To learn about the cars. So I'm going to go be fixing cars for a little bit, stack some money up, and then uh, work on my own YouTube channel. I have a Mazda Speed Miata that will probably – end up being the focus for a little while trying okay. to fix yep. it and yeah, yeah. work on it for a little bit and then i kind of want to just buy some weird stuff and get together with some people i have some ideas for kind of like a car competition show or i'll just you know sink a little bit of money into it at first but i'd like to you know try and do something like that and get people together cool. and provide value because when you get behind the scenes and you get to watch everybody filming their videos at events and you get to see kind of how all these different outlets work and how people do things you get to see what works and what doesn't and what people pay attention to and what is Mm -hmm. actual value and that's been some
0: people that film marginal stuff and still get millions of views it depends there's 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 no direct i want to prepare you nick there is no direct correlation to (laughs) effort put in (laughs) and success rate there is no equal side whatsoever (laughs) on youtube i'm just warning you buddy
2: (laughs) oh and and that's been kind of the interesting thing is you see where people find their niches and Uh what actually works for people and what doesn't and you know you'd be surprised because i've made a couple videos that i've started out and as i go back and i watch them they're not good what a surprise your old stuff is not good but it's like learning how to provide value and Mm -hmm. Keeping an engaging story and keeping something interesting instead of you know just reading a spec sheet and saying this is this and this and this, what's the story behind that? Did you get it at like four in the morning and you got lucky and it's the coolest car ever? Like in the case of that, you know, Audi RS6, that's one of my top three favorite cars. And Mm. for my job to just call me up and say, Hey, you want to go spend 30 hours with this car over the next couple days? (laughs) I'm like, Well, if you really (laughs) twist my arm, I guess I will, but you know it's it's getting to approach that and getting to make a story out of it not just saying it's a 600 horsepower station wagon but you know this is one of the cars that got me into cars what's mm, it like mm. to approach your hero what's it like to get in and somebody just gives you the keys and you have it for you know the next two days
0: that's still weird for us by the way that oh, that never, never really that never weird. gets weird <laughs> yeah. less weird yeah you're
1: right uh, i yeah. think our our favorite part is for both todd and i our neighbors still can't wrap their brains around what we no, do. We've told those stories, not at all. especially you had the story about the uh, the guy in the UK yeah, who's yeah. an automotive journalist, and his HOA accused him of nefarious running, things running a brothel because yeah.
0: he was he was a single guy and he was <laughs> dating women who would leave whenever their evening was over. But the cars were constantly really nice, high end cars that didn't match anything else in the neighborhood, so they accused him of running yeah. a brothel. Of See, course they did. Yeah,
1: I was accused of running a VRBO in oh, my nice. neighborhood, and then your neighbors still can't figure it out. They constantly ask you, "Well, did you get the new whatever it is?" my neighbors used
0: to because one of my neighbors seems to always be leaving the house when we leave the house okay i don't know why that is that's kind of you weird both though. backing down the driveway at the same time so that neighbor used to ask my wife about our new car you can't see the air quotes they stopped <laughs> because you know my me and my wife would be <laughs> in the car you know we'd be in in the in the press car and they'd be like oh you get a new no Nope. nope. So they just, they, they just stopped asking. That was actually the solve. They just quit asking. And my, <laughs> uh, my other neighbors next door to me actually thought for a while, and I've explained it to them at least three times. They actually thought that what I do is buy cars and resell them.
1: I How don't do far that did you take that, by the way? Because you could run with that. Extent. I didn't.
0: Well, because because actually they have a, a little garage in the back, and they do kind of like private DIY car car work for people. Oh, so right, they thought yeah. I was selling cars, and they were fixing cars. I was like, I'm doing none of the above. You don't want me to do that. But anyway,
2: yeah. I mean,
1: you probably took your job a, a little oh ways. My. Did you like kind of take things a little bit further? i and... had
2: some fun with some people sometimes. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> part of the thing is at least you guys look of age to afford these cars. When I get out to of some, some degree, of thank cars, you. I. People are like, this guy sells drugs. That's yeah. the only way he could afford an Aston Martin. You know, or you get out of a car wash, and some people who have the same car as you will be looking over and be kind of skeptical, like, how do you afford that? That's very funny. Or, you know, when some of the like really popular cars as you guys can attest to, like, people get so excited about them, you yeah. get stopped at every gas station, every yeah, car wash, sure, or you sure. watch people on the highway two-hand filming you out the window while <laughs> you're driving, um, and you're like, I'm glad you like this Supra, but there's five in the country, and if you crash this one, I'm in a lot of trouble, so yeah. please don't do
0: that. <laughs> please put Just a hand th- on the wheel, th- at least. least. one, you yeah. know?
2: So there's stuff like that, or like, you know, my neighbors, there was a, a streak where I brought home like Civic Type R, LC 500, Supra, a bunch of really cool cars, yeah, my neighbor yeah, was yeah. a really big BMW enthusiast, Uh-oh. and I always saw him out working on his <laughs> E30s and stuff, and he comes over one day after I'd gotten out of something, and he's like, dude, teach me i'm like (laughs) what do you mean he's like teach me what you do how do you have all these cars i'm like oh i work for these are company cars i work for the manufacturer and he's like how do you get a company car like that i'm like well today it's a super and tomorrow it's going to be a corolla that's part of the balance and that's some of the things that people need to learn when they get into this is it's not all just the cool cars and you know the fancy stuff is there's value in all the little stuff like mm-hmm. you know in the little base jettas or in a yaris or a prius or whatever some of the most fun you can have is just winding out a little car like that and just going and having fun
0: with it and so. then you guys commiserated the two of you uh, nick and paul over the uh, taos so i will yes. kind of wrap it up there because you both were huge <laughs> fans of the taos yes it was it was yeah. nick that yeah.
1: uh Brought the Taos out Mm -hmm. and instructed us on where to find various things, features that we couldn't find and we were beating our heads against the wall. Yes. But Nick, he would dig in and find out the information that we needed to know. Yeah. And so, man, we're going to be watching you. Of course, your career keep us keep, informed, keep oh, us wait. posted. Work, and, working uh, at a car
0: repair shop in Breckenridge is not a place to work. A bad place to work on cars. Yeah, probably. I was no, going to so say. It's no, no, yeah, it's yeah, pretty all. good.
2: Well, it's pretty cool. It's, it's interesting, and you know, you get into this job, and eventually, you drive enough cars because at this point, I've probably driven like three or four hundred different cars. Probably, yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, you get to the point where people hear you do that, or they hear you drive expensive cars. And one of our clients has a minty fresh sixty-two xk 120 jag that is so fresh the paint under the dash looks like it was done yesterday there's no dust on it i'd done a couple things for him on it and it's probably a 250 300 dollars car if he would sell it and he shows up he had just bought a new gls and he's a nice guy and he knows i like cars and you know i'm very interested and he comes up in the gls and i thought he was going to drop the jag off because we were putting a speedo cable in it Uh and he's like i want you to drive this benz and tell me how i did i'm like I can tell you already. Okay, like, (laughs) my opinion doesn't matter. It's a brand new GLS. You did pretty good, Bob. And, you know, then we drive over to his office, and he's like, all right, you can take the Jag back to the shop. Just, you know, bring it back when you're done. And I'm like guy just threw me the keys to this car eventually people do that yeah you've earned earned it for
0: sure Absolutely. well we cannot thank you enough for all of
2: your support yeah we're glad
0: we could have you on even though briefly just just to talk about what's happened and and your side of the perspective because it's very different it's
2: crazy you know because i've been watching you guys for like 10 years and then all of a sudden you (laughs) get the assignment to go drop a car off at paul's house and you're kind of like oh pinch me you know (laughs) hardly hardly right to me, you guys, you know, were one of the big things because that was when I was getting into it. There wasn't a lot of people who did like, you know, good heavy content like that. A lot of them just did the reading the Monroni or it was the beauty shots to a music video or whatever. You've heard
0: of D list celebrities? We're like G list. Right. We're like E F G Z. maybe H. That's I don't fine. know. Somewhere there, we're way fine. out least, on the bottom. You know, at least,
2: uh, at least that's a party. You know, you got I guess other people so. I like to set myself apart and get to get to help you guys out and, you know, be on the other side. So I appreciate you guys having me on and appreciate you letting me keep bringing you cars. Yeah, for for sure. sure. Thank you, man. Thank you guys.
1: Your car's dashboard is on the front line in the battle against the sun, and it can really deteriorate over time due to UV damage. A custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new as well as complementing your interior. These dash mats are available in a wide variety of fabric styles and colors.
0: You can even customize with embroidery or logo. You could put an Everyday Driver logo on it if you wanted. You can make it completely unique to you and your car. Can we get an 86 with the Everyday Driver
1: logo in the corner, maybe intertwine them? you got to work on that, Paul. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, just remember use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page at everydaydriver.com. Or navigate directly to covercraft.com for high quality covers, sunscreens, and dash mats to keep your car protected and looking its best. Our topic Tuesday for today comes from Lex. He is Lord Vader on IG. He's on the East Coast, he's in, in Maryland. And he writes to us about the recent release of the Hyundai Concept 74 project vehicle that we talked about a few episodes back. Mm-hmm. And after seeing a few of the videos in the vehicle, he honed in on something that is related to filmmaking. But he says it's about the sound of a vehicle, particularly in films and advertising. <laughs> okay. And he says he's got a feeling Todd May spearhead this, having had the film background. But he's also poking fun at my background because it might be design related. Okay. So he says with the current trend of manufacturers pumping fake engine sounds into more cars because the engine sounds soulless, even more so in electric cars... How much of that sound is real during the filming of these cars, whether it's movies, ads, promotional videos, he watched this Hyundai 74 concept and listened to it, and it sounds amazing for a non-internal combustion vehicle, but how much of it is fake audio for the sake of creating a much-desired sound like a V8, V12, even a twin-turbo, supercharged V6, or something like a Porsche engine or a boxer engine at, at full throttle? He says, while watching the film mentioned, it was very concerning to hear it sound so good, but mm. in the back of his head, knowing it could just be fake sound for the purpose of filming and trickery, which is not at all what Fast and Furious is. There's not no filming or trickery with they totally went to space in a Furo wearing a diving suit <laughs> for underwater welding uh-huh. in space. Mm-hmm. They were fine, no the, issues. The fiasco was great, actually. It was really the Fiera good. was great. They sealed it right mm-hmm. up, and totally. The, the, the duct you know, tape does everything. It really was great. Yeah. So there's no trickery whatsoever. <laughs> Explosions in space are—they totally make noise. They make lots of noise, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. This was the problem with 2001: uh, Space Odyssey. Nobody in a show where it was silent. Anyway, the short answer here—you're not going to like my short answer, Lex—but uh, the short answer here is that's all fake. That's the short answer. It's all fake. Uh, okay, here's here's something that happened. Uh, couple of times in the recent releases of video games, big simulation video games, Forza was one, Project Cars was another, Gran Turismo's talked about this. There's been like side articles about capturing the sound. Mm-hmm. Never done when the cars are driving. Never. Mm-hmm, Always yeah. done in a studio environment with the car sitting still, which means no tire noise, no wind noise, no any actual environmental noise. They're just recording the exhaust sound of the car in question. There's been articles about that. Uh, the best place I can tell you how fake the sound is and maybe fakes too strong a word um, replaced. I will say um, swapped for something that is optimized for what you want to get across. And mm-hmm. I am not saying everybody else does this and we don't. Everybody does this. Okay. I'll give you a perfect example. When we record a drone shot, the drone doesn't record sound. Yeah. It doesn't need to. When you watch what well, all you mm-hmm. get is anyway, when you watch our pieces, the drone shots have sound of the car going by, and they do that because we take sound of the car going by that we got from an actual shot on the ground of the sound of the car going by, and we put right. that sound of the car going by underneath a shot that looks similar, to the sound, uh, but from the drone. So we're doing that. It's not fake, but it absolutely requires editing to get there. So now let me go to the other extreme. The Dukes of Hazard took place in the South. Yeah, ninety percent of the time when they were driving the General Lee around, it was on dirt roads. The basic yeah. plot of Dukes of Hazard: every episode for all of the seasons it was on I was think I know where you're going. something's wrong. The General Lee can help it. We have a perfect road that gets us there. That road ha- we've never mentioned before in an episode ever. It's it's old man's whatever down by the crick. Okay, there's and, a it, lot and of there's those. a huge jump in the middle of it, and we'll be fine. Uh huh. Okay, yeah. but the key thing is most of the major car action that goes on in Dukes of Hazard, even peeling away from the house is on dirt. Mm. The entire show, and I didn't understand this when I used to watch it, the entire show is filled with tire squealing.
2: there's The the
0: takeoffs, like drag strip style takeoff sounds, when they take off in a cloud of dirt from the house. When they do corners sharply, there's tire squeal. On a dirt road. On a dirt road. Fantastic. Clouds of dirt flying up. Dirt road. Yes. So my point here is, there is always swapping going on. There's been situations where cars are Are swapped out, they're like rolling shells, and the engine doesn't even exist anymore. And you get the engine noise later and you put it in, or you used a four cylinder version, but it needs to be a V8, so you put the V8 sound in. There is no way to know, Lex, what this actual 74 concept, if it ever exists, will sound like until it actually is is out there being sold. Of
1: course. Well, as Todd alluded to, Lex, we capture audio, exhaust audio. We're always reminding ourselves Mm -hmm. towards the end of the shoot as we're driving out of a canyon, driving back, oh, right, get audio. And so what that means for us is actually attaching a Zoom recorder with our mics to the back of the car as place as best we can. But over the years, we have played with this because we don't want to get too much road noise, mm-hmm. which, you know, completely destroys the exhaust audio. But we also want clean audio. And that covers us for later in the edit. Yep, Let's absolutely. say uh, a mic on top of a camera by the side of the road. You forget to turn it on. Mm-hmm. That's happened to us. Mm-hmm. Forget all the time, but hey, we've got backup audio, so it's the same car, mm-hmm. and we're, we want the RPMs to be at a certain pitch so it sounds as if you're accelerating, which we are. We're recording ourselves, Absolutely, accelerating, yeah. braking, yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. rowing through gears mm-hmm. if, if it's a manual transmission, and so we've got that clean audio version to then drop over what we've shot it's, as you said, it's replaced. It's not fakery. It's mm-hmm. just giving clean audio, which is much better than the wind noise, rush of tires, and you kind of heard the engine. Yeah, or yeah. maybe you're just hearing the intake manifold or, you know, a, a forced induction, something in the front. Yeah, mm-hmm. But as far as this s- sound applying to non-internal combustion engines, electric cars in the future, okay. I am I heard a Audi e-tron go by the other day.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: I actually kind of liked it. hmm didn't sound bad at all. It has a spaceship an, sound. Yeah. It is. It's mm-hmm. an announcement noise. I mm-hmm. think it reduces much like the Fisker Karma did early on. Mm-hmm. It reduces its volume the faster you go because you know you're not creeping through traffic where there's potentially pedestrians yeah. and people that can hear it at, at high speeds. You're not around anybody that's going to be you know next to the car. And the car
0: now it. makes plenty of other noise going through the world when it's going high speed. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But I'm. I don't want a V8 or V12 replacement in a electric car that's it's goofy it's on the nose no i don't want that but i'm open to interesting sounds like we've experienced Mm. in the mustang mach e it sounds fakely digitally v8 but it's okay there's a rumble from somewhere with it it's sort of this digital rumble that's piped in and all right it adds to the driving experience and i maintain that sound sells and will always sell Everybody always says, oh, how great does that engine sound? Of The car they're driving or some car goes past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it definitely is part of the experience. So car manufacturers are continuing that with the cars they offer. They just happen to tie it in, you know, something more aggressive for this vehicle. But if that's the case, I say yes. It gives yet another creative outlet for car mm-hmm. companies to mm-hmm. differentiate their products. So it's not just all bubbles, electric cars you know, boring soulless cars. It gives some personality and that's just yet another layer where they can add something. I say that's a differentiator. I think
0: that's good. I also keeping in mind as we think, talk this through, it's dawning on me. Think of how much we as consumers, as drivers are all being trained for this. And my point is, there's, there's a progression here in sound insulation and getting rid of all the noises outside the car. They're getting mm-hmm. better and better and better. If you're yeah. in an old car, then it's all noise and fury, okay? But you, the more modern cars have gotten with more sound insulation and deadening and, and thicker body panels, guess what's happened? We've lost the ability to actually hear what the engine's doing, so what have the manufacturers done? BMW being one of the leaders in this, they've piped in an engine noise that comes through the stereo speakers to match what the engine's doing so you can hear some engine awareness again, even though it's faked. Engine awareness. But what's interesting is, the, and we've noticed this, I like we'll, this, we'll record something in a car and we'll get an engine note that is happening in the cabin that is part of our mics. Mm-hmm. And then the car goes by. In a drive-by shot, it does not sound the same. That's already happening. Right, yeah. And But, but it's an internal combustion engine, and we got a sound in the car that was not that noise, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So this is happening because you can't hear the car as much as you used to be able to. So they're piping something in so you have that awareness. Now, jump to electric cars. Not creating a combustion noise at all. One of the problems with all of the ones we've driven And I say problem is too strong, but it's an issue, is that every one of them creates some sort of noise floor because of wind noise and its movement through the earth. Right. And that might not be a pleasing sound. So in some cases, the manufacturers are piping something in an electric car to to, to cover over the actual noises that it's making. Or in the case of the Cadillac Lyric we just
1: drove, they're putting in noise canceling so it just becomes quiet like a church. I mean, you could add noise canceling and then some other layered sound over the top. They're, They're just going barely, to barely. And it actually adds to the driving experience mm-hmm. in a good way. Of course. Sure. You want to turn it off or maybe there's options to change that sound. But yeah, it's all part of the driving experience. Again, I think for those reasons, the future is good. It, you know, I love all the, mm. the combustion engine sounds, of course, but. You know how how much longer do we have V12s? And and how weird would your Ferrari V12 sound? You know it's just programming,
0: but how weird would that sound be in the cabin while you drive your electric? it'd yeah. be strange. Yeah. Summertime's here, and that means it is car wash season, and my friend Paul tells me I'm always supposed to wash a car in a cool, shady spot. I don't always do that well, but I do use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer, or actually I use the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You have to use this. It's awesome. If you're a person like me who's not good at this, it makes it far easier. You create a high-foam blizzard right in your driveway with little to no work, which I really like. You avoid wash-induced scratches. It is the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System
1: Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's also has a full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash & Coat, and 3-in-1 Wax. All Griot's Garage products
0: are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car
1: care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Our car debate is from Owen J. in Michigan. It's a debate, but it's a bit of a topic Tuesday. He's asking, why is he like this? (laughs) And what he's asking is, Owen, you're asking on behalf of every car enthusiast. All of us, yes. Why do you like particular cars? Mm -hmm. That's the headline here. Well, Owen started listening to the podcast earlier this year, he says. It's made his summer job more enjoyable. He loves what he does as a boat detailer. Okay, wow. He says for years he's only gotten his car media fixed from Throttle House as well as good old Doug. <laughs> all <laughs> we right. all know. Okay, good. Thanks. For, we're glad to be on the list. That's great, Owen. He's 20, and he's already on his fourth car. Mm. Owen says none of them have been wrecked, but rather he just continuously buys and sells cars. He doesn't flip them. He just finds something else and sells them. That's called flipping.
0: <laughs> well, he doesn't flip them for money is what he's saying. He's well, just sure, like, I'm done
1: with this. I'm buying that. It's not deliberate. It's just inadvertent, <laughs> I, I suppose. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Oftentimes, he says it's it's out of fear of an expensive mechanical issue that has yet to happen. And here's why he ended up in this situation is because he loves unique cars. Mm. Who doesn't? <laughs> the problem is he doesn't have the budget to love a lot of unique cars or a, a good budget of unique cars. Sure, sure. He pays for school and he's never owned a car worth more than $7,000. His first car was a Saab 9-3 Aero with 185,000 miles. After that, he owned a 2003 Lexus LS430 Ultra Luxury. Okay. And then on a drive home one day, he saw an even better one for sale on the side of the road. So he promptly sold his existing LS and bought the next one, which is a 2001, with 140,000 miles, a better exterior color, and the radar cruise worked. So I have an LS. That's a better Lexus LS. I'm going to sell mine and buy that one. Okay, onward. That's funny. But he had a scare with the rear air suspension. Turns out it was just a leaking connector piece, but it opened his eyes that at any point, one of the bags could go out, which are about $1,400 a corner, and then because you're driving a more than 20-year-old car that isn't worth very much and suddenly you're paying $1,400 per corner for the airbags, mm-hmm. that's concerning. What you should do is
0: buy yourself a $5,000 Volkswagen Phaeton. Please don't do that. But I'm just saying that if you really want to scare yourself of what corners cost, moving on. We saw in Germany a V10 diesel Phaeton. I I kind of wanted to take it home. I have to admit. <laughs> Did you I, really? I just, there was a part of me that was just, and it was, here's the thing, it was the perfect Euro-spec. Because it was a little bit newer than the one I had. It had it was, had to be at least an 08. It was after they started, stopped selling them here. It was still the body it's style. The same body style. But it was yeah. like little refinements in the lights and stuff. It was V10 diesel with the executive back seats. Oh, I didn't notice. Oh, yes. Perfect tan interior, kind of like a pearlescent blue ultramarine color. I was like, that's... Kind of awesome. It was in top shape too. It was in great shape. It was the perfect autobahn executive cruiser spec, and I was like, I want it, and I really shouldn't have it. See, that
1: was that V ten that they put in the Touareg. I know from that era, which was that could pull your house off its foundation with when it ran. I think over seven hundred pound feet of torque in that thing. It had I mean, to
0: be brilliant in that car.
1: What are you talking about? And mm-hmm. then they dumped it in that car. I had mm-hmm. no idea. We're both <laughs> standing looking at this Volkswagen yes. going. Yes.
0: What? I took photos. I,
1: there's no, I mean, I've owned one of these cars. I've taken photos. I still took photos. We'll, po- we'll post them on t- social media. Well, so back to Owen's story is that he is currently driving his most normal car ever, a 2004 Buick Rainier. Define normal. Oh, sorry. The goofy part is he seeks out these different cars, even if it's just a badge. It's yeah. sort of like people who buy wine just for the cool label. Mm-hmm. And the wine could be terrible. You just don't know. But, man, is that label cool. The the label has done its job. There you go. It has sold you the bottle of wine. Marketing works, yes. So, Owen says, why didn't he just buy a trailblazer? He's not sure, but he only considered Oldsmobile Bravadas, that Buick, (laughs) and Saab 97Xs. Okay. I see see what's going on here. I get it, Owen. All right. But now he's looking to replace the Rainier, the reason being gas prices this time. Mm -hmm. He gets about 15 miles to the gallon. Ouch. And so he is currently inspecting Saturn Aura XRs. <laughs> so a Malibu. He, <laughs> right. He's, he's buying a Malibu without buying a Malibu. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says they don't make them anymore, just like the sub, and he'll probably regret it later when a repair comes up. So why doesn't he get that or a Fusion or a Camry or something like it? Why must he drive a different car from everyone else, even if it won't get him a different experience? Does he mm. feel the need to show that he's a car enthusiast by driving cheap yet unique cars? There's no chance that he's standing out driving an Aura anyway. Right? <laughs> so, why is he like this? He asks. Feel free to paraphrase all of this. I have a list. This made me generate a list, Owen. Okay. Because I thought this was fascinating. And ultimately, everybody wants to do this. Yeah. It's right? just the budget changes. A desire to stand out from the crowd at any price level is fine. Mm-hmm. We all want that. Mm-hmm. And you've defined Owen the priority trade-off between buying a car that you know will just run and not let you down. But how many times are those kinds of cars accompanied by a lack of style and character? Yeah, yeah. Even if it is just the badge, as you said, Owen. Rare is that car that sits in the gap between between being very fun to drive and endlessly entertaining, and a car that requires very little maintenance. And I can think of one, and it's your car, Todd, the Elise. Okay. Endlessly entertaining. And it really has been pretty great on maintenance. The problem is they're just not useful enough for enough people. Caymans are kind of like that a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's been great, but then you factor in needs and functionality. Mm -hmm. This is why the first generation Acura NSX was so intriguing to people because Mm. it was a supercar and what you could drive it like an Accord. Everybody said that from day one of that car's introduction. Mm -hmm. And that's what made it so appealing. That's why it's still appealing. So, Owen, would you be willing to drive a car with a very understressed engine that still looks great and drives well? Because I think that's what you're continually looking for. I think the answer is yes. But good news, I see that coming more and more from car manufacturers and proliferating that, especially with EVs. And I have examples. Okay. But let's start out with normal cars with the weird engine, like Mm -hmm. the Phaeton. Volkswagen was good at this. How about the turbo diesel Beetle? How many of those have you seen? Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Some more examples. The Plymouth Prowler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting car. All the same parts
0: underneath, mostly. Yep. Can't get body panels, but I but and looks like nothing else. Doesn't mean you want it, but there it is, yes.
1: Here's one that stands out. The Pontiac Solstice GXP coupe.
0: Yep. Oh
1: my gosh. Those are worth money. <laughs> yeah, they are. You never see them. People knew they were, were would be worth money. Yeah, for sure. Throughout history, we've had the GMC Cyclone and the Typhoon. Did GM really need to build those? No, they did not. Mm-hmm. They're beloved now, <laughs> right? Yes,
0: they shouldn't be, but they are, yes.
1: Okay, currently, Mini makes the hardtop four-door, but they also manufacture the Clubman, which is also a hardtop four-door. That's a good point, yes. I don't really even know the difference. <laughs> the I Clubman, know The
0: <laughs> the Clubman's the one... That, okay, keep going, yes, the, all right. The yes. rear
1: glass is slightly more mm-hmm. sloped on the hardtop four-door. Mm-hmm. It's a little more sporty. The Clubman has the bread van doors. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is that a big enough difference to justify building both of those? For many, apparently it is. Mm -hmm. Here we go. The Volvo V60 and V90 cross country. I'm sure if you just had a regular V60 wagon, it would do probably just fine on the same kinds of roads. Probably, yes. Just be just fine. Mm -hmm. Yep. But it's got those cool fenders, the fender flares, the off roady. Ah,
0: Must we have the, okay. Oh, yeah. Same thing,
1: same thing with the Mercedes E450 all-terrain wagon. I saw one in Park City, and I about fell over. Wow, you did. It was over here at the grocery store okay. at, at Marketplace, and I couldn't believe it because I've, I saw them in Europe when yeah, they were introduced. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think they were yeah. finally coming to the U.S., and there's mm. one, mm. and you guys bought it. You okay. are the only one. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen one before. Yeah. Do you realize, do you all realize that BMW still builds the X2?
0: Yes, Which I actually think (laughs) the X2 is the hidden hatchback in BMW's lineup. It is. It's supposed to be an SUV. It's
1: a hatchback. (laughs) It is hidden. Yeah. When was the last time you saw a Jaguar E-Pace on the road? True. Not often. Not common. The Toyota CHR. I suppose more of those in Europe, but they're not proliferating in at Mm -hmm. least where we are in Utah. Yeah. The Honda Civic SI is a good example because this is a great sedan, Mm -hmm. but it's only offered with a manual transmission and a really high-strung, tiny turbocharged engine, 1.5 liter. That's a specific buyer. You're right, yes. The Hyundai Santa Cruz and the Ford Maverick are very specific buyers. That's opened up a world for people. They didn't think they would Mm -hmm. want Mm -hmm. that vehicle, and yet suddenly that appeals. So for these car companies, it's worth to build that and invest in a quirky odd. It's a one-off. We're not quite sure, but let's try it anyway. Same thing, last two cars, GR Corolla and the Fiat 124 Spider. Okay, yeah. Fiat doesn't need to build a crazy Corolla. It's not necessary. Apparently the best car in the world right now. <laughs> it's the only car all the According to want. media. Yes. And a Fiat 124 Spider is sort of like... Not sure you want a Miata. You want some different style? You want mm-hmm. to be, you know, have a different flavor, but still get all the benefits of a Miata. Yeah, one twenty four Spider. Now they're out of production. Yeah, they were a flash in the pan. But let me move to EV examples briefly. Okay, all right. The twenty twenty two Volvo C forty Recharge. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to be rare. A rare rare car. It's an entry level electric vehicle. Vehicle battery electric vehicle. The interior quality apparently is not that great. At this point, we have not driven one, but based on Mm -hmm. reviews we've seen, the interior is not that great. The materials aren't that premium. The space is kind of small inside, and the battery range isn't great either. It starts at $55,300 and has a claimed range of 226 miles, but it's got 402 horsepower. (laughs) Because it's electric, yeah. Who buys this car? Yeah, good question. When you could go around the corner and buy a Polestar 2 that starts at $40,900, has an EPA estimated range of 270 miles, but it's only got 231 horsepower. (laughs) But if you're looking for an electric vehicle, at least these days... Do you really care how much horsepower it has? And that 230 is going to feel like plenty because it's electric liver. Yes, delivery. it will. Yeah. Let's go further. The 2022 Chevy Bolt claims an EPA estimated range of 259 miles, okay. more than that C40 at 226 miles. It starts at $31,500. Now, it's only 200 horsepower, mm-hmm. but it's almost 20 grand less Than the Volvo C40 Recharge. And we've driven
0: it, and you don't, we've talked about it before on this podcast. People that have owned Bolts that are hunting down sports cars at the light because they can take them.
1: Yes. And they're, they're fun to drive. It even says it on the Bolt website. It's actually fun to drive. And they're right. We (laughs) discovered, you're right. Actually entertaining. Only 200 horsepower. And it has more range, more claimed range than the C40, half the horsepower, but it's $25,000 less, 20 grand less. Mm. Who who buys that C40? It's a unique niche vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I think electric vehicles are going to proliferate this because they have identified Owen. They've Maybe. They've identified buyers like Owen who want the unique, want the one-off, and they're going to be able to do it more. Look at the Honda Prologue coming out. Mm-hmm. It uses GM's Ultium battery pack, probably built on the same chassis, the Lyric and the Blazer and the <laughs> Hummer the and the everything else Hummer we're going to see. Yes. Silverado electric, everything, (laughs) all of them, it'll be that underneath. But what makes that distinctly Honda, Mm. Mm. the badge, the styling the amenities? What is it about that that won't feel like one of the cars I've mentioned? Interesting. Owen's seeking these out. And so I think it's actually interesting and kind of good news in a weird way, Owen, Mm. that this will proliferate. Owen, this is this is a
0: fascinating thing. First off, why am I like this? We could we could post that question above the heads of every single person listening to this podcast. Why am I like this? <laughs> right, we're all car people in a world where, where more and more <laughs>
1: spouses everywhere agreeing. Yes, yeah, why, why are, are you? Are you like? Yes,
0: exactly. And 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 more and more people are going. Do I need a car? And we're going. Yes, I need all the cars. Mm-hmm. So why are we like this? I think that's a great question, Owen. I want to. What I find funny here is you are the person who loves badge engineering. Right. Edge engineering gets discussed, like we all look down our noses at it a lot. It's like, why did you make that version of that car? Mm-hmm. Remember when everything Ford made, there was a Mercury version with some <laughs> other name, and it was the same exact car. Yeah. And then for a while, this is when we first started the show, everything Lincoln made was like a slightly more leathered version of exactly what Ford made. <laughs> you remember that? So. Oh, and you are the guy who loves badge engineering because you want to buy the oddball that is essentially the exact same car that Chevy made. It's just this is the Pontiac version. And so you want to have, the, in your case, Saab. You want to have the oddball Saab styling. And your issue is budget, right? right? Because if you had crazy budget, you'd be buying more interesting cars that are unique. The problem is unique cars wind up in one of two pots. They're either so unique they hang on to value, (laughs) <laughs> right or they're unique because they are the odd... But this is where you've been shopping. They are the oddball, badge-engineered weirdo that no one bought, and there's no second buyer for it. Not because it's any worse, but because the second buyer forgot that car existed. I could buy a Malibu, or I could buy a Saturn Aura. It's the same car, but who thinks of a Saturn Aura? None of us, including me until I read your email. <laughs> right. You just buy the Malibu. <laughs> right. So what I'm going to challenge you with, Owen, is... I understand you want to buy stuff that is atypical, and I applaud that, and that's fine. Try to buy good stuff that's atypical.
1: Good. Don't yes.
0: just get the, oh, I could afford that, and I don't see them anymore. Right. At least it, right. at least try to get something that is interesting to drive. And I have a challenge for you. I have a car for you. Okay, good. To my astonishment, they are down in your budget level of under ten grand. Forget the Saturn. It is a front wheel drive Malibu with a Saturn badge. It is. Forget it. Yeah. Get yourself a base V6 Pontiac G8. They are selling for under 10 grand. That Those is a pretty rare rear wheel drive unique car, but it's rear wheel drive. And it has yeah. it has some level of muscular styling about it that the Aura or the Malibu simply do not. Well, so that's I am finding good. online very and Now, look, these means they're higher mileage, but all your cars are higher mileage. Let's not kid ourselves. So a higher mileage Chevy product that isn't a Chevy product and is the rare rear-wheel drive sedan lingering in the Chevy lineup, and it was the Pontiac G8 base with the V6, that's your next car. Don't get the Saturn because ultimately you're buying a bad car with a quirky badge. Try to
1: buy a good car with a quirky badge. That's really good. Well done. Because the whole reason he wrote to us was because of fuel economy. Yeah. And that's why he was originally considering that Saturn aura. But I'll bet you it gets very similar
0: in the G8. Yeah, I would imagine. And
1: it's far more interesting. Absolutely. That's a great car. On Facebook, Kirk Meyer asks about the Raptor R. Now that it's been shown, Hmm. are we going to compare that to the TRX? We are positive somebody will, if they haven't already. (laughs) Ram was very coy about reminding Ford that the TRX still makes slightly more horsepower. Mm-hmm. Just just a few more. You're not going to feel the difference, by the way. I just like that
0: noted. But I would <laughs> love aren't. to drive them back to back.
1: I think it'd be very interesting, but I feel like it needs to have some sort of catch. Not a drag race... Not sending it 200 yards off a of sand dune You have it to do needs the, to have something. You
0: have to do the YouTube thing where you dig slash build your ramps with the gap in the middle, and you park one un, in the gap, and you jump each truck over each other with the truck part. You have to do mm-hmm. that. And you have to do it in slow-mo. I can shoot the whole thing right now. You have to do it in slow-mo with, with the, the dirt coming off the thing in slow-mo as it flies over the other truck. I don't know what
1: conclusions are to be made, but it makes for a fantastic thumbnail. Should it be an electric car underneath with similar horsepower or even more horsepower than the two trucks? And the trucks kind of exert their dominance by so jumping over this the, electric it's car. It's the Rivian
0: and those two. Yeah, that's That would be cool, actually. The Rivian, by the way, looks like a Civic next to those other two trucks. The Rivian seems yeah. like it's big until you see it parked near any of these monster trucks. And the Rivian is kind of normal size. You know what the Rivian looks like? It looks like about 110%, 120% sized Maverick. It's not a huge truck. It's a cool truck.
1: It's not that big. I have decided that the TRX is a YouTube vehicle, and now so is the Raptor R. Yes, absolutely. They're both incredibly capable, Mm -hmm. and they can do what Mm -hmm. they claim, and they can go off-road and high-speed, the whole deal. But people will drag race the new Hummer EV and the Silverado and the Ford F-150 Lightning and a Rivian, Mm -hmm. and think of... Every electric truck you You're can think You're building a throttle
0: house video, by the way. I probably am.
1: <laughs> and then these two trucks, and let's see who wins. And the answer is, who cares? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's it, just it, kind it, of, what, what do you like? Will be utterly irrelevant they're to the buyer. They're all very capable. Mm-hmm. A couple of them make noise. The rest don't. <laughs> and they're all fast. They're all expensive.
0: Yay. One will win. One will lose. The rest will be somewhere in the middle. That's right. And it won't decide anything about whether or not you buy one. None of that. And everyone will watch the video. This is how YouTube works right now. Yeah, it's great. We have the recipe over here. Olin writes in on Facebook with a tire question, so I'm going to tackle it. He says he's buying tires for a fun car. Here's the description. About quarter of the usage, about 25% will be commuting. So not that much commuting. Mm-hmm. 70% or more is going to be good weather, back road carving. So the majority is going to be that. And maybe 5%. Every now and then he'll go to the track with this car. Mm-hmm. It will never see snow. It's never going to be in the mountains. He's in the, the mild northwest, he describes it as. He's thinking about buying, it sounds like, two sets of wheels and tires. One option is, I'll buy all seasons and a pair of summer performance tires. The other option is, I'll buy summer performance tires and track tires. Mm. Olin, this is really how you're going to use this car. The occasional commuting, mostly fun back roads and the occasional tracking, no weather. Don't get all seasons. Agreed. And as much as we're liking the all weathers from Nokian on our cars of the past, don't get all weathers either. Buy summer performance tires. Get a Michelin PS4 or the new Bridgestone Potenza Sport or the Extreme Contact Continental. What's right for the car? Don't tell us anything about the car you're putting them on, so you have no idea. There's lots of really good high-performance, summer-performance tires. Get one of those for your primary tire. And then buy yourself, take your pick, a 200 Treadwear, so bubblegum track tire that you put on when you go to the track. You will love having those tires on the track. That's the way to actually spend this money if you're really using this
1: car this way. Question here from Parker Singleton, asking why Honda has not put the Acura all-wheel drive system in the Civic Type R packaging and
0: cost. Yeah, I was going to say cost more than anything, yeah.
1: I think Acura should have pursued that further. We don't know what they were up against. We don't know... The balance between time to market and wanting to get the car out there and reintroduce the Integra Mm -hmm. again versus how long it would take to re-engineer an all-wheel drive system for the transverse engine, we just don't know.
0: Well, but he's even saying, he's saying Civic Type R, and I don't think that that all-wheel drive system, I mean, you can find a variant of it in the Honda Pilot, but in general, Honda makes front-wheel drive vehicles. And -hmm. they leave the Mm all-wheel drive for the Acura brand, which suggests, to your point, Paul, that it should be in the Integra. I think I actually thought the Integra should have that to differentiate it, Mm -hmm. but it's
1: cost. There's another reason hanging, dangling out here, Mm. and that is pride. Mm. Specifically, the Civic Type R for the front wheel drive. Records, lap records mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of this car yeah. because they have the history of it and continuing that on. There's a legacy to that, that very few other manufacturers are willing to take on Honda is one of them. And so continuing to do that gives them an opportunity to almost kind of play one-to-one, you know, it's just kind of them in yeah. competing. Yeah, yeah. There's a few others, but it's not everybody. Everybody thinks rear wheel drive or all wheel drive, but that, does just it's kind of the Honda signature thing.
0: They're going to come back and chase that Renault again, aren't they? They're going to chase the front I, wheel drive ring think time so. try to try get back from I the Renault. Think
1: they might have already broken it. They,
0: we'll see. We'll see. Atomic Doug on Instagram says, "I have a question. I have four cars. Is four cars too many?" <laughs> Doug, what no, are they? No amount of cars are too many if you drive them.
1: Yeah. But yeah. if you
0: don't drive them, then yes. But you break it down for us. You said your daily driver is a 2004 Mercedes C320 wagon, mm-hmm. which is also his ski vehicle. He's restored a two, uh, 240Z that he's had for 40 years. Wow. He has a 2006. You'll appreciate this, Paul. SLK 350 with the six-speed. There you go. But he just bought himself a 2010 Cayman 987.2 Cayman S, which is the right spec for that car. He said it's hands down the best sports car he's ever owned. Is it time to get rid of the Datsun or Jettison the SLK? He said he tries to put miles on all these vehicles. The key thing, Doug, is... What is the mileage on these? I mean, I've said it's arbitrary, but I've said it's got to be at least 1,000 miles a year. You've got to put some mileage on every car you own. I think it should be a few thousand a year to, to justify it staying in the, in the stable, but okay. I understand the Mercedes in your lineup. The 240Z, it's on the bubble. It almost gets a pass because it's been with you for so long and you've restored it. Mm-hmm. But the 06 SLK gets completely blown out of the water by the existence of that Cayman. And I, yep. look, you said you've yep. just bought the Cayman. I'd be curious. If you don't sell the SLK, I'd be curious for you to tally in six months, when did I drive the SLK? Because I think the answer is going to kind of be never. The mm-hmm. wagon's getting driven mm-hmm. for actual usage. The 240's getting driven for nostalgia. And the Cayman's getting driven as a sports car.
1: When's the SLK getting driven? I think it can go. Yeah, I agree to that. There's a question over here on Twitter from ronald harrison asking if there's an automotive company today that should change its name and or logo to reflect the vehicles they're currently creating he says i'll go first (laughs) dodge should just change its logo to a middle finger (laughs) right i'm not sure what the
0: (laughs) word is underneath it but that is a fantastic visual it's very iconic i can see that it's more of just a grunt
1: (laughs) 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 okay i'll go ronald how about BMW? Instead of the Beaver Teeth, how about just an electrical socket? It's just a giant, <laughs> oversized plug.
0: Yeah? <laughs> it's just a multi-pronged thing. Yes. It's very funny. I do like that. <laughs> Raul Vega on Twitter actually says he just finished watching the road trip yesterday. He enjoyed it. I'm really glad you watched it. Thank you so much. He said, quick question. The 86 was on that trip. Yes, it was. It was our camera support vehicle. What was the miles per gallon? He said the EPA figures seem to not be good. Raul, there's, this is an interesting little side note on that car. Sports cars throughout history, by the way, for the history of the sports cars, <laughs> I can think about it, no one has cared about miles per gallon. Nobody bought a sports car right. for its miles per gallon. And somehow, the 86, the second gen, the GR86, is better than the first gen. And the first critique I hear from people is, yeah, but the MPG is not that good. I'm like, why does it matter on this car all Agreed. of a sudden? People are still buying Hellcats. Yes. What on earth? Now, you're saying it's a four-cylinder, and that's that should be better. But here's the first year First version wasn't great. I'll tell you this. When you're going flat ground in the 86 on the highway, you get low 30s. I rarely see that because I'm rarely on flat ground, and I don't (laughs) typically drive just cruise control on. We are averaging right now. We've had the car about 9,000 miles, including that monster road trip. It has averaged a little over 26 miles per per gallon for mixed driving. Now, some of that's been the big freeway road trip. Some of it's been the way we drive around here. But the other thing I find that's funny, something about me and altitude and the way I drive, Anybody's miles per gallon figures, I get four to six less than that all the time up here. I don't know what the deal is, but that's going on. So we are averaging with that car at altitude, with driving it hard most of the time, about twenty-six combined. Which okay, two ways to look at that. Not great. I realize the Miata gets eight to ten better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but okay, compared that to many other cars in the world, did you buy it for miles per gallon? The car's wonderful. Twenty-six isn't terrible. It's not great. It's not terrible,
1: but why is this a major consideration in that car? It's because of the time period we're in, it's suddenly on everybody's brains more than yes. ever. And it's a That's four cylinder,
0: I'm- so people expect. If that was a V8 and it got 26, I'd be like, whoa, a V8 getting 26. <laughs> it's the fact that it's a four cylinder. But I also say this the FRS
1: I had averaged 24. So what are we crying about? Exactly. Anyway. It's decent. Well, an email f- comes to us from David Z asking about track days. He's only been to a couple of track days and had a blast both times. His conundrum is how, do we af- how does he afford the time mm-hmm. and money to be able to go more? Well, you asked the question. This <laughs> None is of almost us can answer. Yeah. <laughs> this is the question instead of when you describe to people, you know, you're into cars, instead of them saying, what's your favorite car? They should ask you. Well, how do you not afford more time and money? (laughs) Why don't you go to track more? Why can't you go to track? Well, I have ideas. Yes, track driving is is expensive and it's an addiction and all of your money will go towards it. But what about volunteering? Can you either get a part-time job or volunteer for a race shop Mm -hmm. or do that for a track? Is there somebody at your local track? We don't know what car you track Mm -hmm. or where Mm -hmm. you're located, but can you kind of get in with either a club? There's clubs that go to track days. You can ask them, how can I volunteer or get a trade off like you're saying Todd or the track itself or a race shop that maybe be located on track.
0: That's good. That's very good. Shane's writing in and saying he's shopping around for some fun. He says he knows uh, if I remember correctly, doesn't Shane have an RS three? Uh, he does. Okay. Yeah. He says he knows that the Cayman S that's key to this discussion. The Cayman S is a better sports car than the Audi TTRS. Uh-huh. But he says, "Is it possible that there's an engine that's so special that you need to have two in two cars simultaneously?" So what Shane's actually saying, without saying, is, "I have the crazy five cylinder in the Audi RS three. Is that engine so cool that I have to get a TTRS to have that engine again in another body?" Shane, you can tell by my my voice here that <laughs> I'm where I'm going is stop it, okay? You ha- that engine, it's cool, it's unique. But having, even even if you did this with pickups and Corvettes, I bought them all because they have an LS. Really? Really? Okay. You have the RS3, which is actually a pretty unique, interesting car, and you like it for all the reasons you use it. If you're shopping a fun driving car, don't skip over the Cayman because the TTRS has a cool
1: engine that you, by the way, already have in your garage. And the Cayman actually has one more cylinder, so it's... Even
0: better, well, right? <laughs> depending on the Cayman S he's getting, that's true. But I don't think that engine, or any engine, honestly, is so cool that you must get it in multiple body styles. Yeah. Even if you're a huge yeah. LS fan, I don't think it's worth it. I say get, get a definitive engine in a definitive car and be like, there's the example of that. This Thursday,
1: our 15 year anniversary video, 15 years yes. on YouTube, that comes out. And we heard from all of our peers, mm-hmm. as well as many of the, the folks who write for us. I
0: cannot believe it's going to be that that awesome. happening. And we've got that video. Yes, just to keep in mind, it was July 31st, 2007 was our first video of it It was a a Mm. Mazda Miata review that we felt very differently about first video we ever posted there. So this is as close to that actual anniversary as we have this Thursday is this huge 15th anniversary retrospective. As Paul said, it's coming together better than we hoped.
1: It's going to be a fun, fun video. We hope you guys will watch it. Looking forward to next time. As always, thanks for writing everyday driver TV at gmail.com. Cheers, everyone.